Hi there. I'm Lee Redhead, a writer and member of Sisters in Crime Australia. Welcome to Scarlet Stiletto Bites, scintillating short stories by Australian women. Our weekly podcast is designed for busy lives. Each murder mystery is short, but not always sweet. Expect twisted tales, quirky humour, imagination, and a frisson of feminism. Sisters in Crime Australia's Scarlet Stiletto Awards were established in 1994 to unearth criminal literary talent. We're producing these podcasts of winning stories to celebrate the sisters' 30th anniversary ceremony in Melbourne in late 2023. The concept designer and narrator is fellow sister, actor, barrister, broadcaster, and best-selling true crime author, Susanna Lopez. Hello, Susanna here. Crime impacts folk in many diverse ways. Trauma can even alter the way we express ourselves, could turn us to poetry. Today's story is Undeceive, 2008 Scarlet Stiletto winner Evelyn Tsitas. Bad news. The kid is sick. Vomit. Splashes. Droplets on my office clothes. It's okay, darling. Mummy's home. Burning skin. The red face. Feel so guilty. But carefully spread my stilettos away from the falling puke. Must get him into the bath. Change into track pants. Phone rings. I ignore it. But my husband runs in. Answer this. I shake my head. Tell him to call back. Juggle plastic bucket. Cheerful red among the ruins. No. He thrusts the receiver into my hand. It is my mother. Too preoccupied. I do not catch the sob. Then silence. A small voice. I have some bad news, she says. All alone. My sister, Charlotte. A fragile bird on a broken branch. We waited for this day since... The voices called. She was full of promise. University, arts degree. The doctors gave her a diagnosis. Tablets, shock therapy. Finally, we gathered her around safe, like a toddler in a playpen. But she left. I need to live alone, she said. And we grew old in her wandering. Stories half written, books half read, she fled. They found her, my mother says. The sounds in the bathroom swirl and cascade. I am in a vortex of the fear we would never name. All I can think of is that I haven't seen her in a week. Where? I ask. On her bed. Three days dead. 
three days it took to find her body. Charlotte worked in an opportunity shop down by the beach. They rely on her to cost the books. Sought the Joan Collins from the Peter Carey. Realised the worth of first edition Len Dayton from the Reader's Digest collected edition. On Monday morning, she didn't turn up. Dot went with Morris. Charlotte's address, carefully written on the back of an envelope, lead pencil, copper plate. Charlotte's doors were locked, blinds down, papers on the doorstep, the cat hungrily weaving through their ankles. Did they notice then the padlocks? The foil covering the gaps between the curtains, tape around the windows. The police wouldn't break in until they pleaded. A fragile bird on a broken branch. Everyone expected the worst. Kavanagh Street. I drove to Kavanagh Street. Mum next to me. It must be a mistake, she says. How do they know it's her? We didn't say what each was thinking. Strangers found our Charlotte in the early morning. The police had knocked on Mum's door. It took 36 hours to track her down. Charlotte was good at hiding her traces. We didn't know where she lived. But Dot and Morris did. Before the city fully wakes, we are far too awake. I help Mum from the car. This part of Southbank is one I never wanted to see. Forensic pathology, coronial services, identify the body. It can't be her. She's gone to Byron Bay again, Mum says. The building is warm and quiet. People are kind and warm. But we must go to a cold room. She would have let one of those strays in her home. She always did, says Mum. I agree. My other half. Charlotte, it is you, lying still, as if sleep sat too deeply. There is only the slightest mark on your unlined face. A bruise, perhaps? Or is that your brush with death? That's my daughter. Mum says. It's a small voice and she has shrunk. In five minutes, age snatched away the grip she had, pushed her body into the ground. She's now bent double and wheezing, an old woman. I look for the small mole on Charlotte's earlobe. She hated it. Couldn't get her ears pierced properly. It is there. She is there, cold on the table. My sister. 
a crowded mind, the ghost who now inhabits my other half. The photo. The policeman wants to know, was she married, a boyfriend? A laugh escapes me. No one would ride the rocking horse of her mind. Highs too fast, lows scrapping through broken glass, drugs, despair. She was alone. He shook his head. There was a photo. He gives it to me. She was holding it when she died. I look at the face. A bit like George Clooney. Strong, handsome, square jaw and good teeth, intelligent, well-dressed. I, I have no idea who it is, I say. He tells me he checked the inside of the frame. On the back, the photo reads, Matthew. But it is in my sister's handwriting. Who is Matthew? Full body scan. The officials have told Mum a full body scan will rule out need for police investigation. She signs a form. Machines will tell us where life went and why. I need to know, did she make this trip down the, the River Styx alone? Or was she helped? Charlotte's house. We don't go home. We go to Charlotte's house, a place we have never been. A drive across town. She always liked the beach, Mum says. How can one city be so many different, fragmented pieces? It's a long way from Camberwell. Rosebud. Retirement homes, holiday houses, and welfare mums. Low-rent peninsula, seagulls and fish and chips, and discount two-dollar shops. She was a private person, says Mum. The doors are padlocked. Windows taped. It is her keep. We look for clues, books neatly stacked, fill the space. The smell of time and careless neglect hangs off the mildewed pages. But the choices are bold, eccentric, a shard of a mind that could glow when the pills wore off. Michael Ondaatje, A.S. Byatt, Kevin Rabelais, Amanda Lowry... Tama Janovitz, a slender book of poems by Miles Gibson, the collected works of Zoe Fairbairns, the copy of In the Cut I gave her after we went to see Meg Ryan in Susanna Moore's book. Charlotte loved the character. If I wasn't mad, I'd be her, she said. A caustic, sexy, literary academic. Instead, this is her legacy. A place on the beach, taped windows. Op shop books and a 
cold body in Kavanagh Street. Matthew's book. The kitchen is so clean, says Mum, checking the fridge. There are no signs of anything except a small life. Lived even smaller. Food for one, a small carton of milk, curdling. Not even leftovers. I checked the bathroom for evidence. There is nothing. Her tablets are lined up in the cabinet, suspiciously full. But when I open the bedside table, I smile. Condoms. A tube of lube. A book by Matthew McKee. I turn over the cover. His photo is on the dust jacket. I recognise him. The last person my sister held, even if it was his photo. I sniffed the glossy new pages. An inscription reads, My darling Charlotte, to all the good times, Matt. The Author's Trail the private school run, Hawthorne at 8.15am. I fight the throng of four-wheel drives, jostle for a space along Barker's Road. Money is the perk of the job that only asks for my soul. I book the kids into aftercare, but mummy, I don't want to. I tell them I have important things to do, someone to find. A word to the teacher, watch Tommy, nightmares about his aunt. The older one tells me, at least the cat was outside or it would have eaten her face. So much for the Discovery Channel. Call in sick, grief. They understand, for a day at least. Catch sight of my puffy eyes in the rear vision. I drive to the other side of the river. We don't give out details of our authors, says the publisher's assistant. I leave my card. Brunswick Street. They don't do skinny lattes in Mario's, I am told. My Chanel bag feels uncomfortable here. I sip a long black. Not sure what to do next. This place reminds me of university, of youth, of time before, partnership at the law firm. I drop gold coins into the chipped mug near the cash register. Gee, thanks, glows the twenty-year-old face, covered with piercings. Then I see it. Matt's face. A flyer pinned to the notice board as I leave. I rip it from the wall. Short stories. Matthew McKee will be reading from his new novel, War is Kind, at readings in Carlton, Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., book signing to follow. Do I take my husband? My hand on the phone, I text the babysitter. I will go alone and not be judged. 
No time to make excuses anyway. He flies to Sydney, another conference. I am left to organise the funeral. My mother calls. They have released the body. There will be a viewing. The coroner says Charlotte's heart simply stopped. It is common. With schizophrenia comes arrhythmia. Anderson and Sons At Anderson and Sons, the chapel smells of a scent to cover decay. Boxes of tissues, thoughtfully on red velvet chairs. Charlotte in an open coffin. Like she's sleeping, says my mother. But her hands are weird, puffed and like sausages. I look at them too long, her nail polish applied beautifully. She always had chip polish. So who painted them? She is wearing the dress Mum chose with little flowers. Thirty winds back to thirteen. My mother asks me to stroke my sister's face. When we were little, we'd close our eyes, feel the sameness. Underlined in yellow highlighter. I watch Matt and wait to hear his voice, confident, funny, his dark hair tussled, a wedding ring on his finger. I'd like to thank first my wife, Rachel. It was she who introduced me to Melville. A woman older than me, face drawn, smiles. I glance to her and back. The older woman? She must be fifty, if she is a day. I stand too long next to shelves of parenting books, waiting my turn. The book signing is lengthy. Matt talks to all. My turn, and I hand his book to him. Make it to Charlotte's sister, I say. He looks at me. He drops his pen. I have pulled my hair back so he can see we were two peas in a pod, separated by birth and sanity. Squint and she is me. If I do not dress as a lawyer, if I wear big earrings, if I pull my hair back, he sees a ghost. He sees me. I'm alone now, I say, the first time in 42 years. I realise he doesn't know, hasn't been waiting for her phone call. He blinks. He is white. And then maybe I think he knows and has seen a ghost. Charlotte, he asks. I hand him my business card. Call me.
Merton, Smythe and Grant. My secretary puts the call through. Can we meet? Matthew chooses a hip bar on Warburton Lane I've never been to. It used to be a boxing ring. They do Wagyu pizza. I feel my age. My Christiane Louboutin patent red stilettos trip me up down cobbled lane. He orders sake. I have mineral water. I knew your sister through the Rosebud Community Centre. I was there on a writer-in-residence program. I thought of Charlotte's poems, short and passionate, the one she wrote in her school exercise book, awards one, a future juicy with promise, until the demons surfaced. I pull his book from my bag, the one Charlotte had when she died. Did you love her? He laughs, swigs sake, a droplet rolls down a firm chin. I'm married. I point to the inscription. Look, she was sweet. Her work was self-indulgent and juvenile, but a lot better than the peninsula pensioners I had to deal with. I pay the bill, back to glass and steel and litigation. I spit on the cobblestones, bile and anger. Eulogy. I work on the words to say. My mother shakes her head. That's not how she was, and you can't say that, not now. So Charlotte becomes private and complicated, not Paranoid or mad. Will anyone know of whom we speak? I turn to Matthew's book to look for words, as he has so many. The book is on war and the art of killing. A young man looks at death before it kindly stops for him. I scan the index. Interviews with soldiers... During the war, they must be taught to kill. It goes against the instinct to plunge a bayonet, release a bullet. Good soldiers are fine killers. Up close, though, sorts the men from the boys. I read of a pressure point on the neck that kills, leaving only the slightest bruise. Matthew knows this. And now, I do as well. Detective Martin Welsh. I drive to Rosebud to see him. Detective Martin Welsh. The country station, cream brick fortress, modern and imposing. My office thinks I'm having a spa treatment. That's acceptable. Not chasing ghosts. Thanks for seeing me, I say. He looks me over. Tailored suit, gold jewellery, thick and expensive. Outside I see the tea trees bend in a wind that chases the white clouds across the blue sky. 
It doesn't feel like a holiday. I show him the book, the passage about the pressure point. You're upset, the detective says. But this Matthew was a, a writer, not a killer. Your sister was a schizophrenic. I've got the reports. Her heart just stopped. Rosebud Plaza. I need a coffee. There's a Gloria Jeans at the Rosebud Plaza before the drive to the city. Young mums with toddlers push strollers. Chat. I was never like that. Rushed back to the firm. A nanny took them to Jimbaroo. I was never young either, it seemed. My eulogy is stilted. I read over my notebook. A glob of cream falls off the mug, marks the keyboard. I hear it in my head. War is kind. I see Matthew smirking. Your sister's stuff was better than most. I have a plan to prove him wrong. She was better than him. Number three, Sandy Drive. It's a neat unit, wire-cut brown brick, the end of a sweeping court. It used to be a retirement home, said a man in number five. He sees me go in and hurries to query. When will the funeral be? Soon, I say. My mother needed to sit and grieve, hold her daughter's hand day after day. A look of horror over a face used to the Anglican way of death, all disposed of quickly. Inside Charlotte's house, we have not moved a thing. Dust has yet to settle. Even the imprint of her body on the bed fills the place with her presence. Clocks do not need winding anymore. They tick on. The fridge hums. Life goes on for the inanimate. What am I looking for? This time, a clue. I search drawers, the bookshelf, under the bed. Not for tablets or photos. I am looking for words. Charlotte's words. The community centre. The squat building features a wide concrete ramp. Wheelchair access easy. My phone rings. You're in court tomorrow, says my assistant. I text the nanny. Instructions, make dinner, work on the school project. I enter a parallel world. Health posters on the wall, messages urging updates for resuscitation certificates, mammograms, bowel cancer checkups, special pensioner Christmas in July roast, gold coin donation. Marge is in her office. We all miss Charlotte and gives me a hug. My brooch snags her home-knit cardigan. Oh, don't worry about that. I accept tea. A high tide ring shows 
Others have been here before, and no one rinsed up. I ask about Matthew. Ah, oh, nice young man, she says. I ask her about dates. I have my Blackberry to log in the numbers, and it doesn't add up. It just doesn't. Opportunity knocks. They play Glen Campbell, Wichita linesman, and have the heater on. The little bell above the door. Ping, ping. I thought I'd be the only one, but the place is full. Everyone is sifting through racks of 80s clothes, old stuffed toys, unmatched floral teacups and knitting patterns. At the front, a glass unit keeps the treasures safe. Some rhinestones and gold-plated brooches. I asked to see Dot or Morris. His hearing aid lets out a soft whistle. So sad, so sad. I, I lost my wife five years ago to skin cancer. He was quite quick and now I spend my time here helping out. Dot pushes me into the back, a vinyl TV chair for a seat, and she puts down a mug of brown liquid, international roast. You need a coffee, love. I sip and smile. Did Charlotte ever talk about her boyfriend, I ask? I, I would like him to speak at the funeral. Dot smiles. Of course, her boyfriend, the writer. Oh, he would write a lovely poem. They met Matthew once. He came to pick up Charlotte, took her to the wineries around Red Hill. Very romantic. War is kind. Do not weep, babe, for war is kind. Herman Melville wrote. Matthew McKee took his words. He took my sister. Did he take her words? Pages covered the car, comparing her exercise book with his impressive hard-bound tome. So many similarities. In a court of law, I could defend her. He took her words. Did he take her life? Chardonnay. I soak in the bath, freestanding, shaped like an egg. Architecture magazines featured our bathroom under You Wish. My husband pours me a Chardonnay, perches on the Eames chair, a conceit in a wet room. But this is our adult space, off our parental retreat. The kids' bathroom is downstairs. Tommy made the school band, he informs me, and May read the word surface. But in my mind, I'm looking out to sea, watching the ships move across Port Phillip Bay from where I sat on Red Hill. He killed my sister, that writer. I know he did. Why? my husband asks. His tone is even, but I can tell the professional edge 
He is a psychiatrist after all. To him, why means so many things. A clinical diagnosis, to be precise. I can see right through it. Fifteen years is a long time. You learn the shades of words. I am a heat-seeking missile when it comes to nuances. Why? Because she was a better writer than him and I have proof. Your sister, he says evenly, was a paranoid schizophrenic who periodically attempted to take her life and dangled you with guilt for your considerable success. He kissed my forehead tenderly. Charlotte died because her heart stopped. You can't forgive yourself for being the successful one, but life is like that. It isn't fair. When I get to bed, my husband gives me some tablets for anxiety. I pretend to take them. I need this clarity, this anger. Tomorrow we bury my sister. The funeral. My mother chose a casket, snub-nosed, cushion-lined, a sleek oak finish, almost like being buried in a bookcase. And it's bloody heavy. A group of six men sway and stagger down the red carpet, duck under the arch. Even through tears, I scan the crowd, a surprisingly large group. Charlotte gathered friends and lost souls. She sang in choirs, joined community art classes, theatre groups, writing groups. Who would come to my funeral? Work sent a large wreath. <laughs> They'd be too busy for my funeral. I clutched the hands of my children tighter. How did I have the time and foresight to schedule them into the world? Charlotte wanted children. The doctors said the drugs would make them deformed, so she loved mine instead. I bow my head at the gravesite. My fat tears fall on the rough quartz pebbles. How can a heart just stop beating? Her heart was too big, even if her mind was full of demons. Litigation. The view from my office sweeps across Melbourne. Stand too close, the window seems to float. I could fall down to the soft green park below. I would rather than listen to a strategy to rescue a heating company from bankruptcy. I am not as clever as I thought. Two weeks have passed and Matthew's wife has refused to call. I tracked her down, told her about Charlotte. She smiled and said, but I, I know your sister is dead. Walked away, not a second glance, so to the victor go the spoils. Do not weep, for war is kind. Followed. 
I decide to walk to lunch, a, a business meeting at the Latin. I sensed him behind me before I turned. Stay away from my wife, Matthew says, cold eyes slice. He is so ugly now. I know where your kids live. Then he's gone into the crowd. A passing tram. I don't know. That night, I lock the door. My sister's heart just stopped, I tell myself as I tuck the children in. Frank's gym. My personal trainer has a boutique gym, Hawthorne. Me and the yummy mummies. I warm up on the treadmill after a hard day's work. Run a sweat, pump the heart, keep strong, keep thin. Matthew's face is on the TV screen, smiling. War is kind. It's from Melville's Shiloh a Requiem, he says. Every generation knows war, and this war on terror reaches out through the media. There is no distance, even in Australia. I stop. Shiloh. How could I not remember? Mrs Harrison. The advantages of wealth are many. Disadvantages few, if any. I laugh to myself. I am a cliché after all, as the BMW pulls up outside Mrs Harrison's house. This part of Glen Iris I remember as Burwood West. Times change. Mrs Harrison's house hasn't. Thank goodness she hadn't moved. Teachers are not well paid like Collins Street law firm partners. Like me. I was so surprised by your call, Deborah, she said. Older than I remembered, of course. <laughs> How many years? Oh, it's such a shock about Charlotte and, of course, the fact that you are twins. A comforting touch on my arm. We played tricks on Mrs Harrison at school, pretended to be the other, but Charlotte's eyes gave us away. They were on fire, bright, eager, liquid in intensity. Now there was only one of us. Shiloh. Shiloh, I said. Was my message clear? She offered me tea in china cups, her living room piled neatly with books. She bit into a ginger nut biscuit and nodded. Melville, Year 12, English Literature. Foemen at morn, but friends at eve. Fame or country, least their care. What like a bullet can undeceive. But now they lie low, while over them the swallows skim, and all is hushed at Shiloh. Charlotte won the Francis Grady Essay Prize with her exploration of the effects of war and its irrelevance, I remember. Ah, the peace and despair after the great storm of war. 
Charlotte had such promise. The word filled with more then. Sadness and anger. A quiet rage at the demons no medication could erase without the essence being dissolved. For that's what happened. Darkness lit with brilliance. Equal measure. The yin and yang of talent and insanity. Without one, the other disappeared. I need to know, is this the essay she wrote? You remember, don't you? I am grasping at anything. Three years ago, Charlotte had burnt everything she owned, all her poems, notebooks, music and sketchbooks. I'll start again clean. Call me Phoenix. Then she placed a plastic bag over her head. Mum found her before she turned blue. Locked up again. Next time I saw her, there were no words. The phoenix did not rise for years. Mrs Harrison held the exercise book. She read and nodded. Of course, I, I could check with the school records. Did we even keep them beyond the winning title? Student and brief abstract, but yes, this is her essay on Shiloh and war. Matthew's book taunted. I asked, what's the significance of Shiloh and modern war? Mrs Harrison eyed me. Again, I was the fat teenager, the boring one, the clumsy one, the one who didn't understand verse. You did law, not arts, right? My $500,000 a year salary and BMW diminished. She explained, Shiloh was the bloodiest of battles, a civil war bloodbath. Two days when death snatched nearly a quarter of all who fought. Melville knew that what would happen next would be uglier. And it was. Mother, whose heart hung humble as a button on the blight splendid shroud of your son, do not weep. War is kind. The literary editor. Oh, yes, Matthew had taken Charlotte's poems. A clever twist. She had seen those twin towers. She knew the truth of Melville's words, that mothers would weep over shrouds coloured in the American flag and wrapped in a Muslim burial. War is kind to both sides of terror. My secretary scanned Charlotte's exercise books, my interview notes with what amounted to witnesses. I am not the jury. I am the judge. And if no one will listen, then I will be a vigilante. My sister's heart stopped in the middle of life. A brief shard of clarity, insight and words we wait our lives for. And Matthew took them.
and turned them in his greedy hands. I sent the parcel to the literary editor of The Age. Fraud Squad I enjoyed his demise, public humiliation. The media love a literary scandal. Ern Malley, Helen Demidenko, Norma Curry, James Frey. Matthew can join the merit board. I read Charlotte the stories as I sit on her grave. From the tree a large crow lands, black as an Edgar Allan Poe poem. A literary magazine wants to publish her poems, the ones written after the fire. But she was a private person, says my mother. No, she was a poet, and these are the words that outran the demons. Words that left clues and trace of fire. Shadows to the truth, words to survive her, a remembrance restored, attribution. I will fight for those words. They are all I have left of my sister, except for my face, left to sag and decay alone. The end. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love your feedback. Subscribe for free to Scarlet Stiletto Bites wherever you get podcasts. And do visit our website, sistersincrime.org.au.